0: Floating Planet Edition. Uh, Matt Stanley is uh, on assignment this week. It's a very important assignment, but I don't know what it is. But I uh, just, whenever Matt is not available, we can we can definitely assume that um, the universe is in trouble on some timeline, in some, one of the multiverses is, is in need.
1: I like if this mythos happened. that we were, we we're establishing of, of 007, Professor 007, Matt Stanley. <laughs> yeah. Whenever he's not here, he's inevitably utilizing the black belt and saving the world.
0: That's right. That's, two black, d- double black belts. He's, and in fact, he probably only has to use one of them. He could be using <laughs> one black belt in one universe and one in another, you know, and, and still have a few left over for our universe just to you know as a backup, backup plan. Uh, yes, so um, um, woe unto the evil ones uh, in the uh, who are those who are doing evil in uh, some uh, one of the multiverses because Matt has come to uh, vanquish you. Um, but he'll be back uh, next week, we hope. And um, uh, how are things with you? You uh, you had some very exciting news. You you did very well on a presentation recently. Tell our viewers.
1: Yeah, I survived my thesis committee meeting. So, you know, they have not ejected me from the university. It was great. Um, (laughs) You are,
0: by the way, at Rockefeller University in uh, New York City.
1: Yep. I am still a graduate student. So, all went well. I can breathe a sigh of relief for the next year before I have to meet with them again. And uh, yeah, it's good. I so, af, before that presentation, like leading up to it, I was just making PowerPoint slides to the point where, when I closed my eyes, I dreamed in PowerPoint. Like I was getting like the PowerPoint <laughs> Tetris effect. It was absurd.
0: <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, um. Gabby Panicia, virologist, virologist of, of uh, at uh, Rockefeller University, and for those who like me don't know, I've not, I've never gone through this, uh, through that. I've been to grad school, but it was in, uh, it was in the history of film. So it, I didn't have to. I guess I did have to give a presentation. I wasn't particularly nervous about it, and then I dropped out. So <laughs> <laughs> lives, lives were not in, you know, on the line uh, in, in terms of. Uh, what the cinema, cinematic language was in my chosen subject. Um, so uh, what exactly, what is this thesis presentation? What was on the line?
1: Yeah, so this wasn't like me presenting my thesis. I'm not I'm not uh, there yet. Uh, yeah. This was just you know, you kind of give an update to your committee. Um, so you assemble a committee of people who are going to be who decides you know, do you get the PhD at the end of it? When do you get the PhD? <laughs> um, and it is kind of rare to be like no, you're not getting the PhD. Um, but for me specifically this year, it was a little nerve wracking because I switched projects about like four months ago. Um, yeah. So I had to present a brand new project kind of again to them after I'd already sort of tried to outline my project last year. Uh, right. So this was kind of making sure like everything's on track still for me to graduate. I'm not, I'm doing something that's, you know, very well established and anchored in reality and uh, <laughs> is going to feasibly get me out of here. Which is I'm part of the that... thing, right? Every, yeah, every, well meeting is like, how do I get out of here? Like, you're almost trapped. <laughs> that's,
0: right. that's right. How do I get out of here alive? Um, uh, I'm glad to hear that there is at least one institution in the world in which the uh, the members uh, are being um, rigorously tested to see whether they are in touch with reality. I mean, that's that's not happening. For instance, in the film department, that's not happening. In fact, it would be the opposite. We hope you are. Well,
1: I mean, I think that only happens for the graduate students. You should see some PIs I've met. Uh- <laughs> they... Touch grass, definitely touch grass.
0: <laughs> the PI meaning the leaders.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, the he- yeah. heads of lab. Um, I think sometimes people get too absorbed in science and need to go out and have a hobby and interact with people who are not scientists.
0: Touche, <laughs> touche, touche. Um, well, let's get right to it. Uh, this week, very exciting. We have um, we have a uh, an if sent to us from a listener who is uh, um, what's kind of funny is uh, this uh, listener who comes to us from the Netherlands, I am sure is going to be shocked and uh, hopefully delighted uh, and perhaps laughing because um, they sent this idea in, uh, they submitted it via our website uh, just this morning. Uh, What for them, I suppose, was uh, afternoon, later in the day, Um, but because Matt, <clears throat> was not available today. And then you and I have been discussing some topics that we decided to, we're holding off on. Suddenly an idea slot became available and boom, Jana to the rescue. Is it Jana or Jana? I don't know, uh, their name. And I'm going to go with the gender neutral they, uh, J N A A J A N A J A N A from the Netherlands, from Utrecht, um, which I'm also probably pronouncing wrong, but, um, a delightful place. I have been there. I love uh, the Netherlands. A wonderful place. So thank you. And uh, here's what Yana uh, says: um, Love the podcast! Exclamation mark! Thank you, thank you. Um, and and uh, they go on. I've been listening to the entire backlog with much enjoyment. Oh, sorry. Oh gosh, Yana, I need to. Let's go to the mailbag. <laughs> yes. This music is not particularly Dutch, but uh, it is—it is the sounds that I hear when I imagine prancing to the mailbox through the weeds uh, here in, in, in our, <laughs> Gabby, in your, in our uh, home state of Maryland. This music would be appropriate. Uh, so back to the letter. Love the podcast. I've been listening to the entire backlog with much enjoyment during my lunch breaks and evening strolls with the dog. Uh, that's wonderful um, and I am I hope the dog is also enjoying the podcast and I am sad I'm already up to the current year that means our timelines are nearing collision and I'll have to slow down mine to real time and then sad emoji um, Yana that is amazing that is a lot of episodes so kudos to you uh, and Yana says uh, I have an if for you to consider which is based on some recurrent, recurring themes what the if continents and islands would move over the earth's surface, much like planets do in the solar system. One thing, Oh, so this feels like, uh, Oh, I don't have it with me. My, I, I just requires some more cosmic music. So imagine in your head now, <laughs> cosmic, spacey, geophysical music. Um, so uh, yeah, I have an if for you to consider based on some recurrent themes. So here we go. What the if, so? Oh, I'll get I'll get right to it. What the if says Yana? Oh, I'm off my game today. You now what with Matt? The sound effects Matt, are not
1: cooperating.
0: <laughs> Matt battling the uh, the other alternate universe. Um, what the if? <laughs> totally wrong music cue. What? No, it's not the wrong music cue. It's just... I thought that was the right one, wasn't it? There we go. Yeah, it's working now. We got it. We're in a groove. Thank you, everyone, for joining me on this journey to discover how to use buttons that I've used many, many times. Yana, help us out. Yana says, what the if continents and islands would move over the Earth's surface, much like planets do in the solar system? One thing that often comes up is the difference in the distance between the Earth and Mars, meaning you would want to travel between them only during moments when Mars is close to the Earth. What if this phenomenon was also present in any sea and later air travel on Earth? Would the discovery of new continents have been easier or more difficult? What would this mean for evolution? <laughs> That's a good question. Where some species maybe sometimes could jump continents and then be isolated again for a while. This reminds me of sort of the, uh, the, what is it, the flying teacups ride at uh, Disney World. You sit in these spinning containers that keep whirling by other spinning containers. What about tourism? This is a great aspect. What about tourism in current times? Is this a cheap year to cross the ocean or does it take way longer than last year? Maybe I'll stay on my own continent this time. Which, in fact, I think we all are at the moment. Um, islands could then be to continents as moons are to planets. Archipelagos are asteroid belts. It's very poetic. Um, and then uh, Jana wraps, is wrapping up and says, uh, for this scenario, I would discount the plate tectonics. The continents and islands just somehow float on the oceans. It seems to me a very Dutch... Uh, concept <laughs> the continents and islands just somehow float on the oceans and the seas and have periodic trajectories that have stabilized during the or- early formation of the earth um, kind of like happened in the solar system uh, I wonder how this one would break humanity and life on Earth uh, Jana reveals their grand ambitions greetings from Utrecht in the in the Netherlands Yana or Jana I I'm pronouncing that correctly and then, Yana wraps up by saying, P.S., and here, this is the punchline of the entire letter. P.S., I always enjoy when you try to pronounce foreign names, especially (laughs) the ones from near here. Hi, hi. (laughs) So thank you for that. Kudos. Um, That was submitted, by the way, via our website. If you have an idea like this, um, you know, we are always open to audience ideas. We love getting them. Just go to our website, whattheif.com, and there's a little comment box. You can just shoot us a note. So thank you. So that's a great one. Gabby? Let's begin with, what do you think? Floating yeah, I continents. Mean,
1: immediately, Yana hit all the things that I was thinking of when you yeah. mentioned the floating continents earlier. Um, so I guess the first thing we probably have to do is establish timescales, right? Right. Because yeah, so yeah. this is probably going to be like a multi-year thing, right? Since Yana said it's not, you know, this year it's a little further away. So right. maybe this is kind of on the order of, you know, maybe every 10-year cycles or something like that. Um, cause yeah, the scale of like planets. Well, we could
0: actually, we, we, we could, you know, um, I uh, going to the, I, I do like to go refer to the text and let's, we stay as close to the text as possible. And, and what she said was that, uh, think of it as being like earth, the relationship between earth and Mars, for instance, or it could be different continents have different ratios. I think that, that's, that's kind what of what I was imagining. Exactly. You're right. You're right. So, right. It could be that, um. It could be that Britain, Great Britain uh, and Ireland um, are rotating in in their place uh, at some relatively higher frequency than um, all of North America rotating around Europe uh, might do. The difference is, and I'm sure Matt would point this out, rotating on a, you know, this kind of rotation... Um, what's interesting, too, is that Yana uh, said, don't think of plate tectonics, which is a really interesting flip on it because the actual movement of the continents on the Earth is related to plate tectonics, meaning that they did move, and they moved quite drastically. You know, Australia is very far from where it used to be and very far from where it's headed. Um, but they collo- they bounce off each other. <laughs> is really more what happens, which makes more sense. you know. Mm-hmm. This idea of them floating around and for some reason, uh, it sounds more like lily pads or something. I'm trying to imagine. That's
1: kind but, of what I was thinking. because Yeah. Because I, I don't know, because there's immediately the question for me of what happens to the seafloor, right? Because there's to so the much stuff down to the seafloor. Does it get displaced? Yeah. Does it right. just kind of float over it? So like everything's right. living in weird months of darkness? Well, right. That might it be means- a little bit... What, what I love I is you have
0: just, this is kudos to you and your biological uh, perspective, you've immediately discovered um, something I hadn't even thought about, but that there is this unbelievable world that exists between the land that floats above and the seafloor below. So I almost imagine like, you know, roots and there's all these strands hanging down from the bottom of the continents, Right this crazy world like what like is it what's the planet where dare i say it jar jar binks (laughs) what's the the, the sort of underworld oh god (laughs) undersea Uh, world that jar jar binks lives in it's not naboo that's uh leia's planet no wasn't it well no because uh
1: that wasn't leia's planet naboo was um padme's wasn't that because Leia's was on. Um, well,
0: okay, yeah. yeah. Leia's, Leia's mom. Exploded. Uh, I just watched the Obi-Wan series, by the way, which is excellent. Um, I'll Google that while, while uh, you know, these are the important facts that we. Uh, I'm sure Yana is like, what? You're off on. It's Jar-Jar-Vic. Naboo. Um, it is Naboo. Yeah. It is okay. Naboo. Thank you. I should have trusted yeah. my brain while well, I could. Uh, gun Gun. Out, he's a good and good outcast on Naboo. So, the world that there's a world like Naboo that exists. Um, every continent is Naboo. Uh, Better, so, it's uh, just
1: sort of the, the undersea equivalent of like your lint under the couch. <laughs> like, there's not really anything Ouch. down there that's useful. So, it's just kind of like.
0: If Jar Jar could be lowered any further,
1: he should be. <laughs> he should be.
0: So let's let's let me re-elevate. So let's get back. Whoop, pop up back on land. Okay. And so these continents are floating around. So we're like surfing. It's like surfing. Surfing USA. Surfing USA. Like USA is actually surfing around the world. And um, so they're, they're kind of floating around. Um, so yeah, obviously we we have some in, instant questions like how thick is the continent? That is that would be a fascinating thing. How how low does it go? What exists below it? Um, why is it disconnected from the seafloor? I think what's it made of? It has to be made of something very different. You know, the continents actually slide across the, uh, the mantle of the, uh, of the Earth. So it's solid rock. You know, it's just liquid rock. Um, the, the fact that the, the rocks are so hot and whatever is what allows the continents to sort of slide around. Um, <clears throat> in this case, you would have sea, you know, presumably vast amounts of uh, seawater. Underneath, which means the ground is here. Here's something we can begin with the ground is very uh, light for some reason. So, therefore, I imagine much more, much more wet, perhaps, much Hmm. more sodden. I I suppose that could be solid place if it gets too heavy at any one point. Well, basically, whatever it is, I mean, uh, ships can actually f- obviously float. So whatever it is, there's something about the shape and the makeup of the continent.
1: I was going to mention shape because there, there is weird yeah. things about like what yeah. floats. Like because yeah, ugh, stupid background knowledge. Uh, in college, I used to make boats out of cardboard and duct tape, not just for no reason, yeah. but because we had a college event where we would race them. And a shockingly small boat could hold a, a lot more weight than you thought. Um, yeah, yeah. just because like, if you displace that amount of water, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a physics person. This is where we needed that. But unfortunately he's off fighting yeah. interdimensional monsters. Um, so there is a chance that maybe something about how sh- the continents have been shaped underneath. Um, they've all got some sort of keel somehow.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, no, th- there have been giant ships, um, there are some ships that have been made of concrete. I think even there might have been a stone sh- in ancient times. There was there was an ancient there was a sort of ancient ship that was built, it was just like some ridiculously heavy material, and yet it and yet it floats. Um, <clears throat> I think that um, though let's if we just uh, I think the core thing that fascinated Yana was the notion of of. How life is, how life or even civilization is affected by the notion of being close and then far, close and then far.
1: Yeah. And so I guess, too, one of the things so if it's just that there's sort of an expansion and contraction of how close the continents are, like they sort of make some almost pseudo Pangea, that might not mess everything up too much depending on how far they're migrating. So if Australia has to come out all the way into the middle you know, I don't know, wedge itself under India. Maybe there's more of a change then because it's increasing. It's actually moving more northward, I would think. Um, But, you know, is it actually something instead where like all of the Americas are rotating around their axis? Because that's going to cause a lot different of environmental change than something lateral. Yeah. Because as long as it's staying along the same latitude, then it should be about fine. Well, I mean, there's sometimes current stuff as far as like ocean currents and air currents that right. might mix like muck stuff up. But by and large, I think keeping the same temperature range might be fine. But if all of a sudden you have like, you know, places completely inverting that might mess some stuff up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm imagining things like how do the tides affect the movement of these continents? Like that would be pretty wild. You know, I can imagine some continent, australia or whatever caught in some sort of tidal pull push and pull you know so when the
1: everything when... winds up in the great pacific garbage patch yeah yeah becomes... and then gets
0: pulled out again and then goes back in, back in. it's Sisyphian nightmare um uh, the weather is a fascinating thing um as the continents get closer together um you know is there are there tsunamis in the process you know does it mean that people can't live very close to the shores for much of the time because the edges are extremely dangerous from either collision or swells of water you know all kinds of things
1: well if they're in some sort of orbit like coming back to the earth mars thing let's just say they're not colliding with each other because okay
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah um I'm trying to think now with as far as like movement goes because if they're just floating over the top of the water, they're gonna generate definitely some sort of wake, I think, yeah, but they're so yeah. big. maybe once they stopped, yeah, there would be some sort of like wave pushed forward. yeah, but I wonder yeah. how far that would propagate. So for example, if if we're still like a hundred miles away, do you just get a slightly harder tide on the other continent?
0: Yeah. Or you could, you know, uh, seafaring uh, people could learn. You know, there would be an incredible art to riding the currents that are created by this movement, right? I mean, that would be pretty. interesting oh, yeah. As well as surfing, you know. Let's not let's not forget surfing. I'm not a surfer, but I enjoy watching surf.
1: Um, well, actually, then yeah, where you could catch good surfing would change depending on not only the time the of the year, but the phase of of the the continents. That's right, that's right.
0: And it could, could make for sort of like a surfing Olympics. You know, it's like every four years, these two particular continents get closer together and create these incredible, this incredible surf, dude, it's tubular. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but but let's see, going back to the beginning, again, I think what Yana found most interesting was this notion of that there would be more opportune times to do things. So we do know in evolution for instance, or in in, in this history of human migration, that the Ice Age, for instance, uh, or cyclical Ice Ages even, um, or climate change, well, let's take the Ice Age in particular, would um, allow for passage from, for instance, the Bering Strait. We believe, if this story is still true, I feel like in very recent times maybe this has started to been. Uh, There's some criticism of this idea, but that um, anyway, that people arrived in North America. People began migrating from Africa, went up through Asia, through Russia, and then came across to North America via the Bering Strait and very, very up near where Alaska and Russia are close together, that the um, either uh, land was dried up or frozen, uh, you know, a frozen um, ice bridge called it um people crossed over and then at some point that ice bridge melted again and there was not a reverse migration but the deed had been done people had arrived in north america and began to settle and eventually migrated all the way down through south america to the tip there and great civilizations arose um so there have been periods of time where this has uh happened not for exactly the same reason as migration but um uh, I think here's something that would be interesting. is I could imagine a, a situation that kind of is like what we deal with now with climate change. Like our continents, let's suppose that America and Europe had been very close together, right? Um, and you know, our current civilization grew where we have this very deep ties to Europe and, and, and people travel back and forth fairly easily. But our time is ending. These continents are rapidly <laughs> flying apart. You know, How would people react to try to develop um, um, a, a way to uh, maintain contact? You know, if for some reason, we'd have to be at some period where it puts us in an interesting period where because with air travel today, you can kind of you can get anywhere within a day, it's not cheap by any means. But uh, I can imagine a situation where, let's say before air travel, where this is gonna become a big a big deal, ties between the continents are are breaking. It's kind of fascinating. Um, what's like what's uh oh you know what would be even easier to imagine would be imagine if in your to break it down to a small level, I think to make it easier to relate to, if you lived like what if New Jersey, <laughs> what if Brooklyn and Manhattan were separating? <laughs> <laughs> I was not implying there that losing New Jersey would be of no consequence. <laughs> it wasn't something I could relate to. But I live in Brooklyn. You're in Manhattan. We can, you know, I can literally can ride the subway from here to there. Um, but if they were rapidly moving apart, that'd be pretty wild. You know, I mean, for one, in a infrastructure month, be would be much, apart?
1: yeah, for yeah. one, the infrastructure yeah. would be much, much harder to handle, right? Um, yeah. Because yeah. all of a sudden all your bridges are gone. Uh, yeah. All of your trains are screwed. Um, so it makes it a lot more difficult to build things. Um, and in my head, I'm like trying to imagine like, oh, would we develop some sort of like modular system for reconnecting things once everything aligned or, you know, do things not always, or are they always moving a little bit, right? It's not like things settle back in. No, they're constantly sort of drifting towards or apart. So then we're probably not going to be able to rely on as many static structures, especially not between two things that are are migrating like that. Yeah. Um, as far as the I movement, love the idea oh.
0: of a bridge, I just say I love the idea of a bridge that where you have to keep making it longer, like a slinky
1: bridge kind of thing.
0: Yeah, but like you, have sort to, of... you have to keep adding. Oh, oh, that's even more interesting. Yeah, <laughs> like it expands or it would, contracts. Yeah, yeah, that would be wild. That'd be wild. Go ahead. What were you going to say?
1: Oh, no, I'm saying it might be easier just to use all uh, all boats. Although even then, I'm imagining yeah. like you are now trying to get to a place and the continent is actively moving away from you, which would kind of suck. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're in the uh, time of year when you're chasing the continent, your trip's going to be a couple days longer because the continent's yeah. moving away from you as you're trying to move towards it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think... Um, uh, the interesting thing that comes to mind is that uh, on a certain scale, it doesn't make much of a difference because this change would be gradual. I mean, the change would be persist, you know, it, it would be happening, but on, on slow enough a scale that, that we wouldn't think about it very much we'd just be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Brooklyn and Manhattan are growing apart. You know, just like, for instance, you know, well, this is ridiculously slow, but in California, you know, one half of California is sliding North from the other part. Um, Uh, the earth moon thing is really interesting because what happens there is an earth moon or the earth, Mars analogy. Um, in that case, um, it's extremely difficult to get it. it, it, We can barely, let's say this, we can, first of all, we have yet to get people to Mars anyway. That's uh, it's quite difficult but let's imagine you know if you could do it there's a huge difference in cost and safety um, um, between when they are close in which case it's about a nine uh six to nine months journey one way um, versus two years if you were to try to travel when earth and um, mars are on opposite sides of the earth uh, Oh, sides of the sun, so I think we have to think in those terms. We have to think if um, it's as if Europe. Let's imagine. Let's, for the sake of convenience and apologies to our uh, some listeners in other worlds, we we be uh, geocentric here for a bit. Um, we can imagine Europe and the U.S. being very far apart, like Europe going around the South Pole and the U.S. kind of going around the North Pole and them coming together and then being very far apart again. I think that would make quite a
1: Are we detaching the U.S. from literally everything else? Because we are also part of a big well, web continent. of the Americas. So yeah, like just I North America say, detaches?
0: I think in Yana's in imagination here, everything, you know, these floating continents could be, a, you know, the different pieces could be moving in different ways. Um so well, uh, yeah.
1: I mean, if we're running about the North Pole immediately, what that's making me think of is our ecosystems are going to be wild. Yeah. Because um, yeah. Yeah. think about it, right? So that's what I was saying earlier. If, if we're not changing any latitude particularly, everything is about the same, um, maybe yeah. with the exception of, of you know certain wind currents or sea currents that we're relying on for bringing in wet air or something like that that's contributing to some sort of local biome. Yeah. Um, But all of a sudden, if it's getting freezing cold for two years because we're moving close to the North Pole and then we bounce back to the equator and all of a sudden all of that snow melts and it's a tropical rainforest, I cannot imagine the creatures that are going to live there. because
0: yeah. um, well, it's like Game of Thrones, you know, where it's like winter is coming.
1: Yeah, That's and it's good. here for fact, a while. <laughs>
0: you wonder in Game of Thrones if that's what's going on on that planet. I'm not sure if the books ever describe why they have this situation where um, extreme winters, or it could be like the Ice Age or something, I suppose. But um, yeah, it would be wild. I mean, that's something that would be intense. I think even the weather changes in this scenario, the weather changes would be much more important than the distance, you know, the sort of convenience of tourism. Um, yeah. Although so it would I'm, cause mass migrations. Actually, that's what would happen, right? As we go towards the North Pole, just be this mass migration of people trying to get to the other continents that are uh, warmer.
1: That, or, you know, you, you've got people trying to come up here for your winter sport aficionados. Yeah. yeah the the amount of people I know who yeah. actually hate the summer uh, would yeah. probably do very well if we sort of made an Arctic tour. Yeah. But it is cool. interesting to think about as far as, like, you know, most of the cycles we're used to are on the order of a single year, right? Um, so, you know, all of our trees lose their leaves in the fall, except for some, you know, conifers. Um, yeah. And then winter, everything's bare. Spring, things start to pop back up. Summer, you know, everything's green. And then, you know, things start to lose their leaves again in the fall. But that cycle that being two years would actually sort of be very interesting. That'd be a very different track Um evolutionarily, I'm imagining for a lot of things. Also, too, you know, if these continents are so much closer to each other all the time, the animals that we're getting might be less isolated from each other. Um, So I feel like we might end up actually with a weirdly more homogenous amount of life on Earth just because populations that previously were isolated are now able to, like, they never were isolated, really. They'd maybe be separated for a year or two, then be able to mix back together and interbreed again.
0: You know, that's a really interesting twist on the notion of, uh, of the in the real world where we had continental drift, that the continental drift is so slow um, and it's inexorable, but yeah, like, uh, you know, creatures that were on Australia when it detached or whatever, some piece of land that detached, then just stayed there and evolved and, Australia never came back to something else, but this this in Yana's imagination, I love this more cyclical version of it, where things keep coming. No, things keep coming back, going away, coming back, going away,
1: coming back. Yeah. So like the first thing that comes to my mind, and this is going to be a weird example, is yeah. uh, cheetahs were North American originally. You think of them as an African animal, but ancestrally, really? like super far back, prehistoric cheetahs were North American, no um, and then migrated cross land bridge, went to Africa. At least that's what I've heard. Um, so uh. now you have Division probably never would have happened or probably wouldn't have been as strong. So there's probably some, there would maybe still be some population of North American and African cheetahs, which would be kind of tight, actually. The fact that if
0: the cheetahs went from North America back to Africa, and I was talking about how the human migration was going from Africa to North America. uh, I also, I just had this image of the cheetahs going against the traffic,
1: you know? Yeah. We're trying to... (laughs) It's like, what, is it not oh good God. over there? Like, cause we're, we're on right. our way over there. Like, <laughs> Hey, that cheetah's going back? the other way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Should> <laughs> we out, there's a cheetah? Guy? Oh no, he just ran right past us. He keeps, he's, he's, he's really trying he's to He's out of here. here. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, to, to wrap up, uh, coming around the bend here, um, uh, evolutionarily, I imagine... Here's what I, I imagine that uh, we're talking about much faster climate change because the continents are moving more... quickly. I in wouldn't our, in call our it measures.
1: climate change exactly just so as much as... Like, well, climate change caused are... by...
0: Well, but, but, like if the continent is migrating, if the continent is traveling much more rapidly than it does with continental drift across the latitudes, right? Um
1: I mean to be pedantic; going, oh, it would probably be something weirder about like biome change, but yeah. That, okay. Okay. Well, actually, yeah. <laughs> that,
0: that gets to my that gets closer to my question: biome changes. What might um, plant and animal life look like in a world where it has adapted to adapting more quickly? That's something I'm kind of totally fascinated with. because we think of things like we're saying, "Oh, if the you know if the climate changes ever so subtly, or if the biome changes ever so subtly." everything dies because evolution can't keep up. But what if evolution can keep up? What do the creatures look like?
1: Well, so the thing is, it wouldn't be evolution keeping up. Well, I mean, it could Mm -hmm. be if everything decided it was going to have some really, really absurdly fast reproductive rate, but that's still not exactly practical. Um,
0: Oh, okay, but that's a good point. It would have to be the the main driving force with evolution is reproduction. That's how you – the only way you get a new body – is by you have to give birth to a creature that's slightly different. But I'm imagining, Mm -hmm. what if your own body becomes much, what if we were, uh,
1: if there
0: were devices inside us that allowed us to adapt much more rapidly to extreme changes?
1: Well, not going that far. I was just going to immediately say that it it sort of makes it more difficult for creatures to occupy very, very specific niches. So, Uh, for example, uh you have uh a lot of creatures on Earth that have evolved to adapt to, and, and exist in very, very weirdly specific locations. Um, so you'll have things that are like stone plants, which look like pebbles, and they're these super deserty mm. plants that like they're they're really interesting. But you know, think about all the deserty plants that have evolved to really not really tolerate much water. Well, then they have to have mechanisms to now actually use and tolerate a lot of water With if their desert suddenly, I don't know, gets in the path of some air current that's bringing in a lot of wet air that's going to suddenly rain. Um, So I imagine that there's going to be some maybe sort of middle ground that a lot of creatures get to. And I'd imagine it would maybe skew heavily towards more cold tolerant than more heat tolerant because it's easier to blow out a coat and just shed fur than it is to, (laughs) yeah, than to, like, I think figure out, like, you know, re-evolve the ability to grow it. Um, It's definitely a weird one, right? Because, like, all of what we know would have had to take a completely different track evolutionarily. Um, Definitely the ability to migrate would probably help if you're a bird and you're like, I don't want to be here anymore and just go somewhere else that has the weather that you're used to would probably be great. Yeah. Um, if you're a sea creature, you're fine. <laughs> your <you're, laughs> your biome isn't moving, um, unless unless you have to get out of the way of you know a year of darkness or something because the content is coming over you. Um,
0: but that's true. That's what that that would be. Right. That's a fascinating thing. Actually. Imagine we, we didn't talk about that for life. Let's end here. And this is going to be in our Patreon exclusive bonus content. We will explore, uh, for a few minutes, uh, just what it's like. If you were living on the seafloor, then it would, these continents would be like clouds. This would be like that planet in uh, the movie Interstellar where there's inexplicably, uh, or, and, and other movies, maybe Avatar has this too, floating islands in the sky. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're living on the sea, you're an octopus living on the seafloor and then it's like, oh man, this giant continent is suddenly floating overhead and is going to be there for 200 years while it takes its time passing overhead. Fascinating. Um, so any, any, uh, any just sort of last thoughts as we wrap up? How, how do you feel about uh, Yana's uh, uh, thought experiment here? How does it Yeah,
1: end? I think it's a really neat if it's actually kind of because inter- yeah the first thing i thought of was like oh my god yeah it's gonna be cool to be able to visit so many more different places uh but yeah. then it's like okay well depending on how we slice it uh yeah all life on earth is going to be different or it's maybe about the same and we can just take a trip somewhere else
0: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um well it, it, in the vein of taking trips elsewhere uh i hope everyone is doing all right i've uh i've put myself in my own personal lockdown because the government isn't doing it this time, but uh, since COVID has kind of come roaring back in a much milder form. Um, But I was, I was doing traveling and then I've decided to stop for a bit because I was like, "Mm, this doesn't seem so good. I've had it by the way. I'll just put out there as a warning. I had COVID. I'm, you know, I've had my vaccine. I'm boosted. So, COVID didn't put me in the hospital or anything like that, but I had it earlier this year. I might've talked about it on the show and it left me with like some fatigue, a post COVID fatigue for about six weeks. It was just brutal and <laughs> I just don't want to get it again. So, so keep, I would, I've become much more of a, I don't want to say alarmist. I'm just saying, be much more cautious. Don't, you know, wear your masks, keep up. You don't want, you don't want to get this thing even if it's a, even if it's unpleasant, um, it's not a good unpleasantness. Uh, you're rolling the Basically, when you get it, you're rolling the dice. I think the vast majority of people are having very mild symptoms if they get COVID, and they seem to be fine, and it goes away. That's great. But every once in a while, it's like, eh, do your part to keep things down. Um, we will have, by the way, uh, and in fact, a number of listeners have written in, including some of our Patreon supporters, and have asked us to do an episode on uh, monkeypox, and so uh, uh, Gabby and Matt are working on that, and so I'm looking forward to that. Probably in two weeks, we have a special guest coming next week, um, which is going to be an awesome topic. I think it's about uh, what's it about uh, Mayan astronomy or something. Um, yeah, that's going to be fantastic coming up next week. Super cool. Uh, and then following the following week will, will uh, most likely be something on on monkeypox. So we'll get some more information on that, which I'm looking forward to getting because I could definitely use some education on that subject as well. Gabby, anything you want to plug? Are you just, uh, enjoying still in still the glow of your, uh, present, your PowerPoint dreams?
1: Yeah. I yeah. Know. I am still very much, uh, basking in the fact that that went well. Uh, so I am unplugged acoustic, uh, still actually, since you mentioned COVID, get your booster shot. If you haven't, uh, there's probably going to be boosters coming in the fall that are Omicron specific, which you're definitely going to want to get. Um, cool. So yeah, just generally be safe. There do be a lot of viruses going around and on God, I wish my job was less relevant.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: right on, right on.
0: I love that in the fall, you know, it's always like we get an updated iPhone and we'll also have updated vaccines and things like that.
1: Yeah, so yeah, of course. You got to keep, keep both microchips out. working well, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. That was not serious. I just feel the need to point that out.
0: Bill Gates, Bill Gates. <laughs> um, uh So, Yana, if you will join us, uh, Matt, if you will join us from wherever you are, and if everyone else will join us, Gabby, if you could just bring everyone up to speed real quick and tell us, lead us in our closing ritual. What is happening?
1: Yeah, we we are standing on the shores of one continent, watching the approaching (laughs) tidal wave and cities of another one come towards us with all of their tourists and all of their Fascinatingly different and disrupted biomes. We cannot help but shout the name of the show in awe and terror. What, what? the, the, the if.
0: if? Patreon supporters, get your bonus Patreon-only bonus content at Patreon.com/WhatTheIf. Those of you who are not members and if you would love some uh, more imagination from the What The If team and uh, all kinds of cool merch, T-shirts, stickers, things like that, patreon.com slash if Check it out. No obligation to, uh, just to visit. See what you get. And uh, thank you all for listening. And thank you, Patreon supporters. Thank you for your support. We'll see you next week.